I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Newt World family. I'm Dr. Ben Carson. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. You know, Newt is on a well-deserved vacation this week, and I'm going to be substituting for a couple of episodes. And this is something I was interested in hosting, first of all, because Newt's a good friend, but also because, you know, we're at a time in our nation where media is not trusted, and it's well-deserved that it's not trusted because you know, it's become more of a indoctrination and uh, I want you to adopt my ideology as opposed to just providing people with information and a mechanism to discuss things. You know, discussions are what hold people together. Uh, you take a marriage, for instance. When people are first attracted to each other and they start going together, that's all they think about is being together and talking and, you know, calling each other on the telephone, speaking for hours. I remember before we were married, once and I was at the University of Michigan in medical school, my wife was at Yale and, you know, it was hundreds of miles apart and we just missed each other so much. We were talking on the phone for six hours, a long distance call, and we didn't have money for that and we were terrified. But we never got a bill for it. I think the telephone company said, Dad, this is a mistake, and they just threw it out. (laughs) But now we've reached a point where a lot of times people don't engage in discussion. And you know those lovers, just before they get divorced, what do they do? They stop talking. They stop having conversations. The next thing you know, their spouse is the devil incarnate. 
And that's sort of where we are as a nation now, as, as we've stopped really talking to each other, discussing things, talking about the reasons that we've arrived at, the conclusions that we've arrived at, and instead getting into our respective corners and hurling hand grenades at each other. And that's not helpful. I don't know of any situation where that has ever been anything but trouble. I wanted to talk a little bit today about why standing up to critical race theory is so important. It's important to me, it's important to most Americans because, you know, this is a country that consists of people from many different ethnic groups. And if we all just look at the ethnic group from which we came, rather than being under an umbrella that unites us, all we're going to have is conflict all the time. And isn't that exactly what critical race theory is doing, creating conflict? Telling young kids who are trying to develop their self-image, if they're white, that you're a horrible person, that your parents are horrible people and your grandparents and all of your ancestors because they've done such horrible things just because of their race and you're guilty, and you owe other people. And then telling kids who are black and other minorities, you're a victim. And it really doesn't matter what you do. You're never going to achieve what you could have achieved in a fair society. And there are those who owe you things. Now, please tell me, how in the world does that create a better environment for anybody? You know, the old adage, divide and conquer. Who's trying to conquer us? Well, you might be surprised to know that there have been people around for quite some time who don't like America. They don't like the way we function. They don't like what we stand for. And they want to fundamentally change us. But in order to fundamentally change us, they first must create major dissatisfaction with what's going on now. Now, what would you do if you really want to create major dissatisfaction in this country? Well, one of the first things you'd want to do is gain control of the educational system so that you can indoctrinate the kids. And we've already seen the fruits of that indoctrination last summer in Seattle, Portland, some of our other cities, major riots and destruction, more than $2 billion worth of damage, the most expensive riots in the history of this country by young people who are coming of age, who've been taught that this is an evil place, who've been taught that there's systemic racism, that the police are aligned against minorities, and particularly black males. Well, you know, I personally have never had a negative encounter with a police officer as a black male. Growing up in Detroit and in Boston doesn't mean that they don't occur, but I've never had one. And, you know, my mother always taught us to be respectful of the police 
and of authority figures. So if I encountered a police officer, if they asked a question, I would answer them respectfully. I would cooperate. And I'm not aware of situations where police just see somebody who's cooperative, doing what they're supposed to be doing, not breaking the law, and just hauls off and shoots them. I'm just not aware of those situations, quite frankly. And some of the ones that have been brought to light, you know, like the George Floyd case, you have media who tries to take that and make that seem like the norm. That's not the norm. That is way out of the norm. That police officer, Derek Chauvin, was not in any way representative of police officers. He's an embarrassment to law enforcement. And you're always going to find people like that. You have, you know, I speak from experience. There are some physicians. I wouldn't let them cut my toenail, believe me. But they're few and far between. But I'm not going to judge all physicians based on those individuals. Nor would I base all my thinking about teachers on some teachers who are perhaps less than adequate. And it goes for any group of people. So why is it that when it comes to law enforcement, we make broad sweeping judgments based on what some very unusual people do? This is what we really need to start thinking about, quite frankly. And critical race theory, despite the fact that some of the Leaders in the educational system are saying it's not being taught in our children's schools. It is being taught in our children's schools. It's being taught in businesses. It's being taught in the United States government, of all things. In 2019, Seattle Public Schools created a K-12 math-ethnic studies framework. And it divided math instruction into themes of Origins, identity, and agency. Power and oppression. History of resistance and liberation. And reflection and action. And in August 2019, the New York Times released the 1619 Project, developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones. Now, The 1619 Project kind of reminds me of, you know, when I was a youngster in school, uh, in the third grade, we all be out on the playground just having a terrific time. And then along comes somebody and says, did you hear what he said about your mama? Just stirring up trouble, creating problems where none existed or relatively few existed. So... Along comes the 1619 Project, and it wants to equate everything that's happening to a relationship with slavery and the sequelae of of slavery in our society. And is slavery a horrible thing? Absolutely. It's an abominable institution. But... Is the United States unique in having slavery? Absolutely not. Every society from the beginning of mankind until now. In fact, there are more slaves now in the world 
than there were in 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was put forth. So we're not unique. We are unique, however, in the sense that we fought a very costly civil war to rid ourselves of this abominable institution. So if there's anything that we should be teaching is that we and a large portion of Americans did not believe in it. And not only did they not believe in it, but they fought to end it. And that's a good thing. Slavery itself, not a good thing. Horrible thing. The reason I emphasize that, obviously you know that, but you know, we live in a society now where people try to take any words you say and twist them, and the next thing you know they're saying, Carson said that slavery was a good thing. You know, <laughs> it's almost funny, you know, when you listen to them. I remember, you know, when I first took over the helm at HUD and I gave a talk about immigrants coming here from every place, including some in the bottom of slave ships, and was attacked viciously. I mean, how could you say that slaves were immigrants? And of course, it was found that Barack Obama had said exactly the same thing on multiple occasions. And when he said it, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. You know, the double standard is deafening in our society. And people don't actually listen to what you're saying. They're just looking to find fault with what you're saying. And that's why it's very difficult to benefit from someone else's thinking when all you're waiting for is something that you can pounce on rather than listening to what they're saying. That's what communication is all about. And that's something that's so important in our society today. Well, in January 2021, third graders at R.I. Meyer Holtz Elementary School in San Jose, California, were given an assignment to deconstruct their racial identities and then rank themselves according to their, quote, power and privilege, unquote. This was taught during a math class, of all things. The teacher asked all students to create an identity map, which required them to list their race, class, gender, religion, family structure, and other characteristics. The teacher explained to the student that they live in a dominant culture of white, middle-class, cisgender, that means you identify as the same as your physiological characteristics, educated, able-bodied, Christian, English speakers, who according to the lesson, created and maintained this culture in order to hold power and stay in power. Can you believe that? <laughs> These people were scheming all along to do all the things that have occurred that took us from, quite frankly, a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the pinnacle of the world just so that they could hold them to power and stay in power. And in February of 2021, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics recommended critical race theory and mathematics education to its members for summer readings. Think about that. 
You know, it's sort of like you're taking something that's really good, something that's really making a lot of progress, and you want to confiscate it for yourself. So you try to make it seem like something that's really bad so that other people won't want it. I'm talking about America and American society. It reminds me of when I was a kid and, you know, we'd be eating something. My brother, my older brother, really liked it. And maybe I really liked it too, but he wanted mine too. He eaten his, he wanted mine. And he would start talking about things like maggots smothered in rats. And I would say, ugh, no. And pretty soon I wouldn't want it. And he'd say, I'll eat that for you. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like they're trying to say that our society is maggots smothered in rats. And we need to change it. And we need to change it quickly. And then, of course, that is far from true. But, you know, this isn't something that's new out of the left's typical playbook. Listen to this quote from Vladimir Lenin. Give me four years to teach the children, and the seeds I have sown will never be uprooted. Think about that. But he's actually saying the same thing the Bible says. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, Lenin and the socialists and the communists and the Marxists, they know that if you can get to the children in their formative years, and you can plant some seeds, they, they, those seeds will stay there. You know, it's the way the brain works. The human brain is a fantastic organ system. You know, it has billions and billions of neurons, hundreds of billions of interconnections. It can process more than two million bits of information in one second. It remembers everything you've ever heard or seen or learned. You know, you can take a 80-year-old man and you can make a small defect in the skull and put in certain types of probes into the memory centers and stimulate and he will be able to quote back to you verbatim a passage he read 60 years ago. All of that stuff stays there. Now, another quote, the link between education and our policy should be the chief inducement in making people join us in our cultural and educational work. A title may express something if there is a need for it. For along the whole line of our educational work, we have to abandon the old standpoint that education should be non-political. We cannot conduct educational work in isolation from politics. Lenin, November the 3rd, 1920, in the speech to political educational workers. Think about this. And a quote from Karl Marx, the education of all children from the moment they can leave their mother's care in national establishments at national cost. That's from the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, who also said, education is free. Freedom of education 
shall be enjoyed under the condition fixed by law and under the supreme control of the state. Boy, does that sound a lot like what the left is trying to do in our country right now? And the only thing that will stop them, quite frankly, is us. We have to be ready to stand up for the things that we believe in. You know, there are so many people who just sit quietly in a corner with their head down, I'm speaking figuratively, hoping that no one will call them a nasty name, won't call them a racist or some other thing. But folks, I got to tell you, there comes a time when you have to stand up for what you believe in. I'm so proud that so many parent groups are now going to these school board meetings and making their voices heard because you cannot be the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. You know, critical race theory was developed in the mid-1970s with scholars like Derek Bell, Alan Freeman, and Richard Delgado. Now, one of the things that they said, you know, from the book Critical Race Theory, an introduction by Delgado and Stefanik, it says, unlike some academic disciplines, critical race theory contains an activist dimension. It not only tries to understand our social situation, but to change it. It sets out not only to ascertain how society organizes itself along racial lines and hierarchies, but to transform it for the better. They want to change it. They want to change our whole society through education and using things like critical race theory. Now, some of these people who advocate this, they're not bad people. They're not horrible people. They're just misled people. They have a different value system. And we have to remember not to treat them the way they treat us, but we do have to protect our kids. Now, unlike traditional civil rights, which embraces incrementalism and step-by-step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundations of the liberal order, including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. That's by Delgado and Stefanik in Critical Race Theory, that same book. We have to take a short break to support the sponsors who make Newt's world possible. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Ben Carson, guest hosting for our good friend, Newt Gingrich, while he is on a well-deserved vacation. So why is all this important, this talk about critical race theory? There's no civil dialogue anymore. People are getting canceled for no reason. Think about that. You know, our Judeo-Christian foundation in this nation teaches us to love our neighbor. Pray for those who despitefully use you. To be kind and gentle. But as we moved away from those Judeo-Christian foundations, it gets replaced with something else. And that something else is not good. That something else says, hate your neighbor. Cancel your neighbor. Cancel people who disagree with you. Now, please tell me, how in the world does that lead us to a better place? How can it lead us to a better place? You know, I'm glad, obviously, that they're pushing so hard. Because it's actually waking people up to the dangerous race, critical race theory, 
indoctrination. You know, it was sort of like being in the saucepan, the frog in the saucepan, with the heat being turned up very, very slowly. And maybe it was a little uncomfortable, but it was tolerable. But now somebody has come and turned the heat all the way up suddenly, and the frogs are jumping out of the saucepan, and I'm very glad they are. And they're recognizing that they're about to get cooked if they don't do something about this. You know, it's impossible not to notice that it's not only in our classrooms, but it's in our boardrooms. It's on the sport team jerseys. It's in our pop culture. It's everywhere. There's no longer an escape from identity politics. But, you know, I have tremendous faith that our country will right the ship. You can already see that happening. You see, America is different. We're not like any other country that has ever existed. We cherish our rights. And we were conceived in the notion that our rights come not from government, come not from big tech, come not from social media. Our rights come from God, our creator. And I think that gives us a special relationship with God. It gives us special confidence in ourselves. It gives us insight into human behavior. You know, the San Francisco Unified School District Board of Education voted unanimously on April 6th of this year not to rename a third of their schools, including those that were named after President George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Why did they vote not to rename those schools? Because there was a tremendous backlash from the community. That tells you it is possible to stop this stuff. It is not inexorable. And, and why are they trying to destroy our history? Good and bad. You need your history because your history gives you your identity. And your identity is that thing upon which your beliefs are built. So if you destroy the history, you see the whole thing come cascading down. And you don't even know who you are. And you become easy prey for whatever ideology is sweeping at that time. That's not America. That's not Americans. Stop CRT, Critical Race Theory Act, HR, 3179 was introduced in the House, and if passed, will ban federal funding to any entity that advances critical race theory. It would also reinstate President Trump's Executive Order 13950, which blocked the use of federal funds to promote CRT and training programs for federal workers and federal contractors. Now, some of the governors at the forefront of the conservative movement, like Ron DeSantis in Florida and Greg Abbott in the great state of Texas, have already taken key action on fighting back against critical race theory in the classrooms. Combating racial training in the military 
that's S-968, was introduced in the Senate and, if passed, would prohibit U.S. Army forces from promoting anti-American and racial theories. Now, think about it. you got a military. They're there to protect our freedoms. They're there to make sure that our way of life can continue. And you have people who want to indoctrinate them to tell them how terrible our society is. Why would they want to protect it? Why would they even want to be a part of it? This is a pernicious and very destructive thing that is happening. And like I said, I do believe the American people are smart enough to actually see that. But parents need to get involved, and they need to stay involved. At American Cornerstone Institute, which I founded and am the chairman of, you know, I actually thought I was going to retire after the election last November. You know, I had failed retirement the first time. I said, this time I'm going to really be able to retire. But about three weeks after the election, I could already see the seeds of what was going to happen to our nation. And I said, you'll never be able to enjoy playing golf when you know your nation's going down the tube. So a group of us from HUD got together and created the American Cornerstone Institute, which looks at those cornerstone principles that allowed this nation to go from nowhere to the pinnacle of the world. It was not by accident. It was because of those principles like our faith, which teaches us how to relate to our fellow man, among other things. And liberty. This was the beacon of liberty for the entire world. And here we are in a situation where those liberties are escaping from us. Such basic liberties like freedom of speech. Some people say our freedom of speech is not being impeded. The government's not stopping us from saying anything. Guess what? If big tech, social media, and the mainstream media are restricting your speech with compliance of the federal government, the effect is exactly the same. We got to wake up and make sure we understand that. And then the other cornerstone community. We've succeeded in the past because we work together. All of those little towns and villages and Oklahoma and Wyoming and New Hampshire, they had people with different skills and different talents, but they worked together to build strong communities that grew and coalesced and created the foundation for a massively successful nation. And yet we have forces now that are trying to destroy that sense of community, driving wedges on the basis of race, income, religion, age, political affiliation, you name it, driving wedges, trying to destroy that cohesiveness, making you believe that that person who lived across the street from you for the last 20 years peacefully is now your enemy because they have a different yard sign than you do. Folks, it's okay to have different opinions. I always say if two people agree about everything, one of them isn't necessary. You know, we need to have differences of opinion. It's okay. It does not make us into enemies. 
But, you know, my mother understood at a very young age how important it was to do reading and to emphasize education, and she made us read books. And I didn't like it a whole lot at the beginning. But, you know, there were a lot of people around who were talking about how negative our situation was, how the society was stacked against black people and how you could never realize your dreams. But as I read those books, and I read about engineers and entrepreneurs and surgeons and explorers, and all kinds of people, and I began to understand that the person who has the most to do with what happens to you is you. Stop looking for somebody else to blame. Double down. Work extremely hard and accomplish your goals. You know, it's one of the reasons I think a, a lot of immigrants to this country do so well. They come here and they see nothing but opportunity, whereas so many people who are born here already think their opportunities have vanished. You know, one group that has done extremely well, Nigerians, also Ghanaians, do extremely well in this country. And guess what? They're black. So if our nation is systemically racist, how is it that these black people are doing so well economically? If our country is systemically racist, why do people in Central and South America form caravans trying to get in here? Are they nuts? Why would they come someplace where there's systemic racism against them? Well, obviously, they know that there is not systemic racism, and they know that there are opportunities here. And I hope that many more Americans will just engage that brain of yours. We have these fabulous brains given to us by our Creator. We're made in the image of God. And, you know, the human brain is a lot different than, say, a dog's brain or a cat's brain or any other animal. Most animals have very large midbrain. The midbrain allows you to react, to react quickly to external stimulation. And that's why animals react so quickly and so well. But their frontal lobes are relatively small. That's where you engage in active thought processing, intellectual analysis. Animals don't have to do a lot of that. But people have big frontal lobes and relatively small midbrain. And yet, critical race theory tries to get you to react, to react to a person's external characteristics and not to analyze their character. Isn't that what Dr. King was talking about when he said he dreamed of a time when his children would be judged on the content of their character and not the color of their skin? Let's just think about this. Do we want to judge people based on external characteristics over which they have no control? Or would it be more prudent to judge them on the basis of a character over which they have complete control? We just have to start using those frontal lobes a little bit more. At American Cornerstone, we're starting a program called Little Patriot, where we're teaching through a number of mechanisms, including interactive internet lessons, 
that have just incredible graphics, teaching them about the real history of our country. Warts and all, every society has warts, and we have some warts too because we're inhabited by human beings, and human beings are inherently not perfect. That's why we need a savior. But we want them to learn about our nation. We want them to learn about the people who were the founders of our nation. We want them to learn about those young men who sacrificed their lives on the beaches of Normandy so that we could have freedom. We want them to learn about the young ladies who left by the millions their homes to go into the factories during World War II and to build more bombs, tanks and mortars than anybody could imagine, which helped to save the world from Nazism. Our country has nothing to be ashamed of. We've created an environment where people have been able to have magnificent lifestyles. Okay, folks, time for another break from Newt's wonderful sponsors. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Newt's World. I'm Dr. Ben Carson, filling in for the vacationing Newt Gingrich. And we thought we'd try something fun today. We sent out a request for questions to you, the listener. Questions you'd like me to answer, and we've got some great ones. Now, to help me, I'd like to introduce you to Debbie Myers, the president of Gingrich 360 and the executive producer of Newt's World, who probably would like to be on vacation too, but she's dedicated and wants to participate in this program. Hi, Debbie. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for filling in. You're doing a great job. Thank you. We got a lot of wonderful questions. A lot of people love you, Dr. Carson. So it's hard to narrow these down, but hopefully you'll come back and do more and I'll save some of these great questions for you later. But let's kick it off with our first question from Mike. And Mike asks, Dr. Carson, what do you think caused the political divide in the United States? And more importantly, how can we reverse it? That's a very good question. And obviously something that concerns many of us. You know, there was a time in a not too distant past, quite frankly, when our political atmosphere was occupied by Democrats and Republicans. Democrats and Republicans who had the same end goal, they just had different philosophies about how to achieve it. Now it's different. Now they don't have the same end goals. Now we have people who love what America stands for, liberty and justice for all, one nation under God. And we have another group of people who want to fundamentally change America, who actually dislike what America represents. And it's going to obviously be more difficult now to get on the same page with people who don't like the page that we're on and want to turn it. However, because we have those big frontal lobes We do have the ability to sit down. We do have the ability to discuss things. We do have ability to work things out. We shouldn't be trying to eliminate each other. We should be trying to work with each other. We can do that. It's going to require voices of reason. No question about that. But it's also going to require a platform whereby the people who truly love and believe in America can get their voices heard. When we have organizations like Facebook and Twitter and some of the other social media platforms trying to shut down the speech of people who don't agree with the leftist agenda, it makes it very, very difficult. 
However, necessity is the mother of invention. And those new transplant platforms are being created, and they will be here very soon. And I think that's going to help to level the playing field. This next question is from Glenn from California. And he says, it seems like homelessness around the country keeps growing. Why do you think that is? And what are your ideas to solve one of the grand challenges of our time? Again, a very appropriate question. Obviously, that was something we dealt with a lot when I was at HUD. And obviously, it's been something we've been working on in this country for, for decades. And it is getting worse. Part of the problem is if you go out there and you see the homeless people, like I visited the Los Angeles a number of times, Skid Row and some of the other areas, a lot of those homeless people are suffering significantly from drug addiction, from mental illness. It's very problematic. And, you know, they have something some of you are familiar with called the Housing First Program, where you just say, let's get people off the street. No requirements, nothing. Just get them off the street because they're safer off the street. And it costs less to take care of them off the street. This is true. I believe in housing first. But I think it must be coupled with housing second and housing third. Housing second is you diagnose the reason that they're homeless. And housing third, you fix it. So if you're dealing with people who are drug addicted, for instance, you need to work on getting them clean. Now, a lot of them will say, well, I don't want to be clean. I like this. This is what I want. This is the lifestyle I want. In most cases, that's probably not true. And if they could push a button and not be addicted, I believe most of them would wear that button out. But unfortunately, it's easy to get addicted and very hard to get unaddicted. And we need to be compassionate and we need to use the resources we have to get those people back on their feet to become productive members of our society. As far as the mentally ill are concerned, it's cruel and unusual punishment, quite frankly, to put those people out on the street like we did many decades ago, unable to take care of themselves. And in many cases, it'd be like taking a, a 10 or 12-year-old and sticking them on the street and saying, fend for yourself. But, you know, with appropriate counseling and therapy, including in some cases medications, many of those people can be quite functional. And that's what we need to be thinking about. And then there are those who are on the street simply because they can't afford not to be on the street. I mean, in a place like Los Angeles, you could make $50,000 a year and not be able to find a place to live and still have to live in a tent or in your car or your van. You know, we need to work on getting those people into a situation where they can get the appropriate skills. But we also need to work on affordable housing. You should be able to find a place that you can afford if you make $50,000 a year. You know, accessory dwelling unit, tiny houses, cubicle houses. There's a whole bunch of inventions over the last few decades that would be quite useful. But then we have so many regulations that prevent us from using it. And by the time you add on all the regulations, you've taken something that was eminently affordable and transformed it to something that's not affordable. Uh, during the last administration, we had the White House Task Force on eliminating barriers to affordable housing. We were getting a lot of work done on that. Uh, I hope that the current administration will pick up on that 
and recognize that there there are ways to do it, but we have to be actively involved in getting rid of those things that cause the problem. Well, I had a great time hosting Newt's World today, and I hope you enjoyed our time together. I'm going to be hosting another episode. It launches this coming Sunday, August the 1st, and we're going to be talking about something very important, and that is why America matters. And believe me, it does. Also, don't forget to email me your questions. Keep them short. Email them to Gingrich360.com slash Newt. Until Sunday, be well and enjoy your day. Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.